our frontline workers are out there all the time and they don't have the option to stay home and self-isolate daily. They put themselves at risk for the safety of all of us. And not that all of them are in healthcare. I'm talking about our police services. This week, uh, Travis Danraj reported that five Toronto cops have tested positive for COVID-19. I want to bring in Mike McCormick, president of the Toronto Police Association right now. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So the five members of your force who tested positive for COVID-19, they include four uniform officers and one civilian officer. How are they doing? Are any of them severe right now? Uh, I wouldn't say severe. I've talked to um, the the officers, uh, most of them um, that have been impacted, and uh, they're at home uh, convalescing, and uh, they're getting through it. So, uh, you know, um, they're concerned, obviously, and but they were equating it to me as a uh, some of them as a minor flu, and some of them as you know, just aches and pains uh, associated with flu. But what's interesting about what you're saying and, and what we've seen out of some studies out of Europe and stuff, that uh, 50% of the people that have been um, tested positive for the virus have been asymptomatic, not even knowing that they have the virus, which, you know, it, it, and, you know, when we're talking about data-driven, it'll be interesting as the testing increases, you're going to see more people who have the virus, but you're also going to see a lot more of those people who may have had the virus and not even known about it. Any of these cases related to travel or are we looking at community spread with, you know, regard to your officers? Yeah, we're looking at community spread. But again, uh, what we're waiting to uh, hear from public health is is a community spread while they were at work or other social circumstances. So that's what we're waiting to hear. Um, But we know that at least two of them uh, were through community spread at work. All right. So you brought up masks. I'm going to skip right ahead here and and go to uh, the fact that I got an email from someone earlier this week. He works for another um, police force. And basically, he outlined some of the new safety protocols that are in place. They've assigned them uh, a vehicle to each member and they don't share any equipment or vehicles. What kind of protocols have been put in place to protect Toronto police? Are you are because you can be asymptomatic? Are you sending your cops out with masks on? Yeah, we, we're, we're, we've got um, sufficient masks, which has been a challenge from the beginning of getting the right uh, PPE. Uh, and we have masks. Uh, we're sufficiently stocked with masks, gloves now, uh, sanitizer. We have a protocol developed to sanitize vehicles, um, a separation, uh, social distancing of our members while they're at the divisions, um, and uh, all kinds of protocols developed for when we have somebody who may have symptoms or may have COVID or potentially COVID. Um, But the challenge for us, as you said earlier, is we do not have the luxury of social distancing when you're arresting somebody, when you're dealing with people. Um, That's not a reality for us. So we are making sure that every day we are briefed on what's going on. Um, and making sure we have the most up-to-date uh, information and the ability to protect and keep our people safe. And along those lines, we've taken an unprecedented set uh, uh, um, position of moving, for instance, from where we have two-person police vehicles to a single-person police vehicle, not for a operational uh, concern, but for a health and safety concern. Is this concerning for the safety of the officer? I mean, I'm I'm not sure where it was, but I saw someone come over. uh, There was video circulating on social media. I'm not sure if it was in Toronto or the States. It's so hard to keep track of things these days. But it was somebody came up and basically uh, sucker punched a cop through his open window and then dragged him out of the car. 
took he he did not take out his gun. Uh, the perpetrator then uh, grabbed uh, his his club and started to hit him with that. I know it's not called a club. There's uh, his baton. Hit him with that, yeah. and somehow this cop managed to radio for help. I mean, is there? Are you worried about your members and their safety out on the streets? Not that it's we're in a situation where we are running rampant with lawlessness, but right, right. What's your yeah, concern? Uh, yeah, definitely have that concern. But you know, that's why when we went to the single vehicle. Uh, uh, police vehicle um, that we make sure that they're in tandem, but that we won't jeopardize officer officer safety or their ability to be protected while they're doing their job. But you know, we're, this is unprecedented times for everybody. We it changes daily, and we also took uh, a, a novel step as an association. For instance, we gave each of our members a thousand dollars to help them um, through this time. Um, we made an independent donation. When I say independent from the association, our members, the association made a donation to University Health Network uh, of $250,000 to help uh, first responders, all people who are affected, to help uh, research uh, for a treatment and a vaccine for this. And we I issued a challenge to other unions and businesses and associations to match that. We also earmarked uh, over $100,000 for post-traumatic stress disorder uh, organizations that aid with post-traumatic stress and mental health issues because what I think we're going to see is long-term mental health and PTSD effects from uh, the the anxiety caused by this virus. Mike, what was the thousand bucks for for each of your members? Well, we wanted to, to offset members because, you know, with costs and everybody's families and get money back out into the economy, uh, but also to offset, like, everything uh, from daycare because we do not have the as we said the luxury of not going out there and and um you know because we are uh a, a, you know an emergency service um yeah. we have to we have to be there so it's to offset some of the costs for our members and just to give them some financial relief because everybody who's going through this from small businesses to everybody, we're all being impacted by, uh, you know, the cuts and what's going on in the state. Yeah, but presumably the cops are still being paid their salaries, no? Yeah, they are. But what's what's happening is that that doesn't matter. Like, we we still have to have uh, where families are at home and other people are at home and just some of that anxiety. So, you know, when you think about police officers, it's not only them, but they also have their broader families and all the concerns that they have. So not only is that compounded on a financial basis, but it's also compounded because they're going out there saying, okay, am I going to get infected? Is that exposure risk higher? Am I going to need to to isolate myself? What does that mean? So So it's danger pay? Yeah, basically, you know, this is what we wanted to say. Like, we acknowledge that, you know, the financial hardships for everybody, but we unfortunately are in a position as an association. And don't forget, this is uh, our members. We're giving them that money. This is not public money. Just to to offset and acknowledge them as first responders um, and emergency workers that we're there to help them in every way we can. We're speaking with Mike McCormick, who's president of the Toronto Police Association. Mike, I want to get back to the reason why I reached out to you. Five members of your force tested positive for COVID-19. Travis Danrash from Global News reported that earlier this week. He also said that over 500 police officers are in isolation. Uh, Did these people come in contact with the the positive cases on the force or some of them also suspected cases waiting for test results? Well, most of them are, you know, when we have the... the, um, what they returned, you know, this couldn't have picked, uh, had a worse, uh, you know, uh, 
timing scenario where people were coming back from March break and stuff, so they had to self-isolate. So, you know, the point was that we have well over 500 people in, in self-isolation. It's something that we need to monitor. I'm not alarmed. I'm not concerned, overly concerned about it, but it's something that we have to monitor going forward. Then the, the reason we have to do that is because we're having more and more officers. As more and more people are diagnosed, more and more officers are coming into contact with potential um, uh, scenarios where they could be infected and are going to be told to self-isolate. And, and I think that this is really important that we need to be on top of that and monitor that to make sure that that number doesn't you know, continually grow and then it does become a problem. We have to be proactive and ready to, to, to redeploy people as needed. Mike, 500 police officers in isolation. How big of a percentage of the force is this and how many cops does the Toronto Police Force actually have? Yeah, we're 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 just around uh, uh, under five thousand, so it's about ten percent. But again, this this is civilians, and I don't have the break of civilians and uniform. Okay. Um, so right now, when we look at holidays and everything else, it's nothing that the public needs to be alarmed about. It's something that we need to be cognizant about, and, and the impact of what the potential if this thing gets bigger, as you said, the spike, and we're we're looking at those increases. It's just something that we have to be ready to be nimble and react to this as this changes every day. What's the contingency plan um, if more police contract COVID-19 and have to isolate um, after being in contact with positive COVID cases? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we, as I said, are in regular discussions daily with the service and everything, and they will be uh, looking at redeploying people, for instance, in other jobs, investigative jobs. Everybody's prepared to go back to the front line as this uh, Mm depending on how this works. So, uh, you know, there's not chicken little, the sky's not falling. But yeah. as you said, we have to take this very seriously, not to fear monger, but we have to take this seriously and make sure uh, we continue to have the capacity to keep uh, our city safe. But one thing, Kelly, is Canadians, we all come together in a time like this, and I'm 100% sure that, you know, better days are ahead, and we will get through this together as we do uh, as Canadians. You sound like you're hopefully wrapping up the conversation, but I'm going to keep you a little longer. Uh, the sure. military, they've offered up uh, their help to municipalities that need it. Uh, in what case would we end up going to the military to ask them to step in? Yeah, I, again, that, that's an operational thing you have to talk to the chief about. But that we would look at that where your uh, resources uh, were so depleted that you couldn't effectively um, uh, police in a, in a manner that would... Uh, keep the uh, personnel safe and the community safe. So it would, it would have to be pretty severe. Okay, we're talking with Mike McCormick from the uh, Toronto Police Association. Toronto Police have laid 2,471 charges for speeding since March the 15th. 58 stunt driving charges. Earlier this week, a photo of a, a ticket circulated on social media. I'm sure you're familiar with it. A guy in Scarborough claiming he was ticketed 750 bucks for having a non-family member in the car with them. Can you clarify what's going on here? Yeah, again, you know, that that's some of the stuff that has been um, the pr- province has looked at that. We have new offenses uh, where that where people who uh, are in breach of the order can receive a ticket. But again, uh, you know, I, it's hard for me to comment when you don't know the full circumstance of what was going on or anything else. But, you know, Kelly, um, I have a, a my sister works for the OPP and she's saying that there's more people out there driving like maniacs out there because they're idiots because they think there's not police out there. And just because we are in this emergency situation doesn't give people the right to act like idiots, to jeopardize. And, and what they're doing is they're drawing resources that are potentially needed for this emergency situation. So 
now they're driving like idiots. I was going to say another word, but idiots out there. Yeah, we heard it. An <laughs> they get into an accident or something, and all of a sudden, all the police resources are there, and if somebody's infected and stuff. So people need to smarten up. Uh, yeah. This isn't a, a, a license to go out there and speed and be a, a total jerk on the road. Like, everybody needs to pull together. But it's not just about ticketing. You have to think ahead. I mean, like, I'm driving like I am, uh, you know, driving Miss Daisy right now. Like, I am driving slow and steady. Reason being is this is not the time to get into an accident. You don't want to no. go to a hospital no, if you can avoid exactly. it. You don't want to exactly. bring out emergency personnel that are needed elsewhere if you can avoid exactly. it. I mean, we all exactly. have to do our part. Now, right. very quickly, before I let you go here, Mike, uh, the mayor is talking to the police chief about a ticketing blitz. Um, you know, under the state of, of emergency, you have enhanced powers to hand out tickets of 750 right. bucks to people who are endangering all of us by entering closed parks and gathering yeah. in groups of, of five or larger. I understand you've handed out about 14 of these tickets so far. Do we need a ticketing blitz in order to send out this strong message? No, no. I think that that's a discretionary power that should be uh, operated that way. Again, like, you know, that seems to be counterintuitive to isolation and everything. I think where it's warranted we will do that but let's you know unless it's warranted i can't see but how's it counterintuitive i don't get it well now you're getting okay let's say there's a group of five people there and you're going to take no more than five yeah, more than five people there, and you're going to ticket them or whatever. And you know, you're now all of a sudden, as an uh, emergency worker or a police officer, you're there interjecting yourself into a situation that has a potential for spreading of the, the virus. Uh, you're worried about your your own uh, yeah, association, of course, of course, of our, okay. our own members. And but I, I mean, I think that people need to be cautious and stuff. And are there circumstances where tickets should be issued? Yes, but um, again. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, and let's face the facts, 99.9% of people are getting it. Um, the odd jerks that don't get it, do they deserve a ticket? Yes. But I don't want to see our members exposed to anything uh, needlessly. That's going to pull them from the front line for the people who really need them. Mike, I want to thank you for your time today and uh, stay well. Yeah, you too. And I'm 100%. We'll get through this and, uh, you know, we'll come out of this stronger and learn a, a whole bunch of valuable lessons.